Welcome to Tales from the Dance Floor, a podcast exploring the lives and times of people from all walks of life who followed their passions and made careers out of DJing, producing, parties, dance culture, and the music industry. I'm Phil Morse from Digital DJ Tips. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome my friend Steph Dell of Sound Marketing PR Agency. You're in entertainment, technology, PR, big overlap with the music industry and the DJ world, right, Steph? Yeah, that's right. Hello there. Good to have you here and thank you for coming on Tales from the Dance Floor. And it's going to be a really interesting one today because you have got one of those jobs that keeps you totally in touch with the wider music industry that you love so much while kind of drawing on your your skills. And you've got a really wide set of skills you're a geek you're a tech you're a technical person like so many people listening to this to start with you're a huge music fan and clearly you've got a, a um you've got a a real talent for pr and for getting messages across and communicating and so on uh, and you are working in the industry you love full time so firstly well done uh, you've been doing it for a long time so you clearly no flash in the pan um was it something you planned step or have you kind of, did you just kind of drift into it well, I think initially um, it was a bit of an accident. I sort of fell into uh, I fell into a job that that eventually um, became a career of you know spanning twenty years. So um, I guess uh, it all started when I was at um, college uh, studying performing arts, actually, and uh, my boyfriend was working for Hayden Laboratories, which was then the kind of Denon UK, um, he was working in the spares department and he gave up the job and I interviewed for it thinking, oh, this is going to be cool. They've got some really cool products. You know, I uh, used to see Denon when I was out and about, you know, on the scene or whatever. Um, and uh, I went and started working in the spares department and it sort of all went from there, really. <laughs> so at, that, at the time, uh, Denon were kind of leaders, weren't they? They were making the first DJ CD decks that DJs were using that looked very different to today's, but nonetheless, they were the first foray uh, for the CD yeah. into the DJ booth. So um, that was the kind of time that you were, they were the kind of products that they had at the time, right? Yeah, the twi- the DN2000F um, was the kind of the, the industry leader, the twin CD player. And I got really involved in that at the time because obviously it was a it um it was laser driven CD player and uh, la- the lasers needed replacing quite a lot. <laughs> um, so so yeah, something uh, something a story that I'm always telling is how I still remember the part number of the laser for the DN2000F because <laughs> I'm such. I think it was probably because I processed orders for it so much and in the service department I had so many in for repair when I moved into that. But but yeah, that um yeah that's a, that's a kind of geeky side of me. <laughs> so. <laughs> So not scared of technology, obviously, but, you know, it was Den and they were leading, um, and they still are, of course, uh, a leading name in, in DJ technology. Was the DJ side of it and the music side of it also something that attracted you to that job or was it just because your boyfriend at the time gave it up and it was sat there begging? Well, no, I, think, I think that was the thing. It was kind of like, you know, I was not, I was 18, 19. It was like the bright lights of the idea of, um, you know, of going to Plaza and, and being really heavily involved with that kind of scene at the time I was, you know, it was 19, I'm not even going to say how long ago it was, but (laughs) 
I, it was it was just post the '90s rave scene, so uh, which I was which I was quite heavily involved in and, and absolutely loved, along with you know any any other kind of music things. But yeah, I think that really attracted me to the idea. Also, they did a lot of um, at the time they had fantastic home stereo systems, and I was really you know, and they did a lot of car stereos as well. So I was really attracted to that. It was sort of the the bright lights of the of the overall technology, really. So you, um, for those who who are, who are not British or not of a certain age, Plaza used to be the big show that had all the music technology and all the stuff, the club installation stuff, and all that, all the lighting and all that kind of stuff, right, Steph? So yeah, that's right. Um, so so all right. So what you were into the into the rave scene as any you know teenager with a pulse was at the time, uh, and but you said you had a wider interest in music. You were at a performing arts college, so an artistic kind of family, an artistic bent in your upbringing? Yeah, um, I mean, my mum brought me up on um, on soul music. I mean, my mum's my quite young and she brought me up on her own till, till I was about 12. And then she met my stepdad, who um, who's actually a musician in a kind of, you know, he's still a musician in a, in a, in a successful kind of rock band. Um, so I was always involved with going to gigs as sort of a 12, 13 year old and, and, um, seeing the kind of, seeing that side of things as well. Um, you know, I love all sorts of music. We, you know, I follow country music and soul music. I love singer songwriters. So, so yeah, it was always kind of, uh, my whole family's very, very musical. Both my brothers are, are musicians as well. So it was, uh, so there was always, you know, that kind of, side of things that that attracted me to the to the technology that that they that they use I guess but it's interesting that it's the technology that attracted you that's quite unusual for a girl right to be to be attracted to the 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 you know the schematics and the and the, uh, the circuits and the things that make it work yeah I don't know I think it was quite unusual I mean I was brought up around a lot of a lot of boys as well and I was always trying to you know I was really small and really little and I was always trying to prove my worth so I think there was a little bit of the I can do that and I can you know that kept that kind of came into mm. when I was when I was this little tiny 19 year old who's like I can do that taking stuff you know there was a there was a bit of that with it I think as well. It sounds to me like your family might have been a bit disappointed if you'd have become a doctor or a lawyer right yeah. they'd rather you have something in the music world that they they all love and, and, and work in. Yeah that might be true actually. <laughs> So you're there as a as a as a teenager into the into the music scene, musical family. Just managed to get yourself a job uh, with with Denon, working in their parts department. Where did the idea of moving into PR come from? Was it kind of quite quick, or did you were you doing this for a while? How did this kind of side to what you do develop? So I moved it from the spares department into the service department, and then. You know, had a look at, could see the guys in the sales office and looked like they were having a lot of fun. So, um, so decided I wanted to work in kind of sales administration. Got a job in sales administration at Denon, and then sort of could could view the marketing people and thought, you know what, they look like they're having a whole load of fun. I want to get into this. Uh, uh, I used to call it the colouring in department. Department <laughs> and do all this, uh, do all this really cool stuff. So, um, so I decided then that that marketing was where I wanted to go with this. So while I was still at Denon, I trained. I did a I did a CIM diploma at, at night school. Actually, it was in the same college that I'd done my performing arts, which is Amersham and Wickham College up up in Buckinghamshire. Um, and I did it two nights a week for two years. It was pretty hard going at the time, especially when uh, you know I wanted to be out partying and not. Um, necessarily studying but but I did that and then um, 
once I'd done that, one of my customers, who was a distributor over uh, over in Leighton Buzzard, um, used to say to me on the phone, you know, do you want a job? Why don't you come and work for us? Um, you know, so so after a year or so of them asking me if I wanted to go and work for them in their marketing department, um, I left then and I went to work kind of in a pro audio and lighting distributor. So I'd been manufacturer side, moved over to Leighton Buzzard, got this job in marketing and sales at Leisure Tech, which is the is the distributor over there, and um, sort of just worked my way up from there. Um, worked for them for I think about six years, um, and during that time, um, as well, I worked in sales and marketing for them, and then became a sales and marketing business development manager. So as part of the management team, and we found it quite difficult to get marketing and PR agencies that were they'd either be really good at, at um, you know they'd be really good at marketing and PR but didn't have a clue about the industry or they'd know about the industry and maybe be a little bit flaky <laughs> so, mm. um, so I, I, I thought there was a, a gap in the market really and um, and I wanted to uh, you know I, I felt really passionate about about starting a company that that could be technical, but they could understand the industry, you know, from the ground up, really, from manufacturer side, from distributor side, and from end user side. So, um, so that's where the idea came from, I guess. So, you mentioned that there's an issue with people either understanding, totally getting it, totally getting the kind of music and technology and clubbing and all that stuff, but but maybe being a bit flaky or being really good at what, you know, really good at the, at the art, but but not really understanding the, the subject. And I think this is probably an endemic in the kind of industry that we, we both work in, right? It's the kind of the midday start and the, 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 the long dinners that end up in a nightclub and the, yeah. the, the kind of inability to, to put, and I don't, obviously I don't want to disparage a whole industry, but there is a, there's certainly a, a feel of this. And at the time, the rave scene and the and the whole the whole kind of DIY industry that was springing up around that, which a lot of us have come from, yeah, was kind of like if 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 that was the general picture, the rave scene had it hard, right? Had it really bad. Um, do you think that introducing professionalism was something was kind of one of your USPs and one of the things that you've kind of carried with you over this couple of decades? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to say that there weren't any good agencies out there because, I mean, a lot of my friends now in the industry were starting out around about the same time as me mm. and they must have had the same thing. I mean, there's some fa- we've got some fantastic, you know, music industry and technology agencies now, but at the time we couldn't find it and I just felt like, um, like yeah, you know, th- there were some DJ guys who, like you say, would be up all night and, and you couldn't get hold of. Or there were your really stick, stern kind of PR, PR, PR companies who who were just pure into that. So yeah, but I think being professional and having um, the whole industry has become so much more professional over the last ten years. Um, in a, in every element, I think it had to because it was we were all the kind of hobbyists or the the people who were just we'd carved out a job for ourselves in yeah yeah you hit the nail on the head I think carved out jobs for ourselves carved out jobs for ourselves in the industry we loved because we wanted to be part of it but then there came a point where you know where in order to 
to, to continue and succeed, you have to become much more professional. So, um, and I think I think everybody's done it. I think all of the companies across the industry have become so much more professional, not necessarily corporate, because I still think that there's so much more of an element of fun in our industry. Again, particularly in the in my side of the kind of entertainment technology, if you like. So, so the gear that everybody uses to produce the music that we love, you know, the companies are much more, much more professional, much more um, in touch with what they need. I remember when I started sound marketing 10 years ago, a lot of the companies I worked with didn't even have a website, you know. And It's incredible looking back, and isn't it, that that was the case? Yeah. So, so yeah, I think hopefully um, we've been able to, you know, we've been we've been able to bring that, and I, and it was quite a while that I was just you know on my own as working three days a week. Um, you know, I had a couple of small children in the first couple of years of starting the business, so I was juggling babies and 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 working and trying to keep on top of the scene and the industry and everything else. So so yeah, I think um, I think, but 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 like you say, everybody's become more professional, and hopefully we kind of did that as well. So it's interesting that you kind of bumbled along your words on your own for a bit. And then, you know, since then, you've had so much success. You've got you've got a team. Um, just to give people a flavor, name some of the, the companies that, that people will have heard of that you've, that you've represented or worked with or worked for in that couple of decades. Okay, so I worked with Pioneer DJ right from the beginning, um, and I still work with Pioneer Pro Audio. Um, uh so, so I've been working with Pioneer Pro Audio, which is obviously the speaker brand of the uh, of Pioneer DJ Europe. Um, uh, I'm working with Alan and Heath with Zone, um, which I'm sure that um, most of your listeners will know about. Indeed, uh, I've worked with Clang Technologies, DigiGrid. Um, I'm trying to think with some distributors. Uh, we work with some lighting companies as well. Now we've got kind of we've kind of elaborated out to that into some AV companies. Well, I'm just trying to think now. <laughs> well, the reasonable list there already, I think people can get a flavour, a flavour of it. And has it been deliberate to kind of stick with this industry? Have you ever thought, you know, I'm going to broaden this out, or um, has it been kind of like a bit of a lifestyle choice? You know, this is, as you say, a little bit less corporate, a little bit yeah. more fun. It kind of pulls together your music and your technology love. Is it? Has that been? By yeah, it design? has been particularly, um, particularly deliberate. I mean, for example, another customer that I didn't mention, Coda Audio. Um, when I started working with them, that got that got us much more into the kind of um, rock and roll side of the industry, you know. And when you're interviewing front of house engineers, or you're going to gigs, or you're writing up stories about these amazing gigs that they've done with Placebo or Rental Shikari or those kind of things, it's it's so exciting and so and it's like it's not work is it you know you wake up in the morning I don't feel wake up in the morning and feel like I'm going to work ever so so yeah in, in answer to your question it was completely deliberate not to deviate out of this because I felt like there was so much opportunity within our small sector that why would I need to go and you know PR widgets yes yeah so so it's kind of combining what you what you're passionate about um, with with a skill but talking about that skill PR you know you you appear to be completely self-taught in this area writing press releases and spotting opportunities and so on it's not something everyone can do was it something that you found out you just had a had a, had had talent for without realizing it maybe or you know as you say you went and did a, a chartered institute of marketing I did um, and that, that gave um, me a grounding but I think I would just I'm just 
a people person and you know I talk to people all the time I as you know I like to talk quite a lot probably why you invited me this. But, but you know I think I'm a I'm an uh, if I had to say something about myself I'm a natural communicator and I think that it just I just sort of fell into the fact that that I can do this and I love doing it and people if I think if you're passionate about something people whether it's a journalist or whether it's a client they really appreciate that and it becomes you know and if it if it's easy for you because you love it I think that people people see that and and recognize it in you so so yeah I guess I guess yeah I am pretty much self-taught because I've had no no experience in doing this for anyone else but you know we kind of set up a whole we've now got a whole service marketing agency so we don't just do PR we do creative and website design and all of those things and and quite a lot of it's self-taught or if I don't know how to do it I get somebody in who does so so you've had to learn business skills along the way of course yeah and over the last 10 years that's been a you know that's been challenging but fantastic and really rewarding could you ever work for anyone else again I don't think so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a standard thing I think in this industry I don't know I, some days if I'm honest I go do you know what wouldn't it be nice just to get up and have four weeks holiday a year and do all of that thing but then I could never outweigh the benefit of you know of the reward of the kind of soul reward if you like that you get from from doing what you do so you have a small team now. Do you all work together or are you kind of remote and you get together every yeah, now and then? Yeah, about two years ago, we moved out of my converted garage. Um, there was me, John, um, who's our copywriter, and um, Amy, uh, who was an intern who started working with us. We were all working on garage. Then Liz come to work for us and it just got too crowded. So we got a local office, which is, um, we've done it out really quite cool. It looks like a London agency, but really we're above a tractor shop in Buckinghamshire. So uh, it's all smoke and mirrors. But And now we've got Katie working with us as well. So, um, But we all work together and we've all got quite different skills. So um, try and try and build a team around around a different skill set but we all work together with, with all of our clients I think we've got eight or nine clients like regular clients that we work with now on retainer and then we've got a couple um a few that we we kind of work with ad hoc so yeah yeah we, we all work together and so one of the, one of the places that I always seem to bump into you is in bars next door to, next door to music exhibitions right. and trade shows and DJ oh, events and so on. Uh, oh, I, I, need, I need to be honest, it's by design. It's like, a, it's, let's meet and this is the place. It's not just like randomly stumbling into bars and, hey, there's Steph. Um, but, you know, those places those those places are exciting, aren't they? They are where you get to brush shoulders with and um, meet and hang out with people who, let's face it, are our heroes. They're the people who play the music and make the music that we love and, do you find that a really fun part of the job, getting to go to and to I these do. places? I am, you know, I love a trade show. I'm never more excited than get packing my suitcase and get in the taxi at six in the morning to go to Frankfurt or to go to 
Amsterdam to ISE. Um, these are all obviously traders, or to go over to, in, uh, you know, to Infocom or anything else. Because I know that not only am I going to be, you know, bumping into all these fantastic, you know, music industry stars, but also for me, the heroes are also, you know, the the leaders of the companies, you know, the technology companies. Because again, you know, I'm a geek, so I'm always like, oh, you know, there's the guy who invented this, or there's the guy who who's the head of you know, this speaker manufacturer, I'm not mentioning any names, but well, that's <laughs> what, um, yeah, that, and like you say, quite a lot of the time we get to have a lot of fun as well because there are always parties, you know, to showcase the gear and there's always, um, you know, there's always a bar that you need to go to to meet the right people. There is, and it's always yeah. a bar, isn't it? Which is, which is a fantastic part of the industry. So your musical background is, as you said, it's more than just getting into raving as a kid uh, or as a teenager, you've got um, a really wide appreciation of music. Have you ever played or do you play instruments? I don't. I've dabbled a little bit. Um, I dabbled a little bit with DJing, but it just wasn't for me, really. I'm much better the other side of the decks. Um, I've, I have I did play a little bit of piano, but my, but my daughter, actually, who's nine, we've just bought her a piano and she is fantastic. The rest of my family are really musical. I think that's why I had to be techie, because I think that I'm, I'm, a, I was, I'm a little bit too um, quick to jump onto the next thing, to be patient enough to, to be a really fantastic um, musician but both my brothers play guitar um one of my brothers plays plays piano so I've come from a very musical family but I think I just am um, sticking with the kind of tech side of it. You say that you're too quick to jump onto the next thing as a PR person as someone whose job is to get the message out there and market the technology yeah. is that a strength is it kind of well the whole music industry is driven by inventors and technology and the people as you say that they're just as exciting to you as the musicians the people who invent this technology is having a a spark in your eye when you see the opportunity that new technology gives gives to gives to musicians is that kind of one of the big driving factors i think it is the the innovation you know the the next new thing when um when coda launched their um new speaker you know when i'm sat there and they're talking you know or or pioneer pro audio who i work for you know when i get together with alex barron who's the technical guy at pioneer pro audio we properly geek out and it's like that's what excites me the innovation and the and what's coming next in the technology and then finding a place for that in the market you know where where are we going to fit it who are we going to pitch it to in terms of journalists you know is this a story that's going to be interested the metro are going to be interested in for example not just our industry press so yeah i think that um that the innovation is is a is a big driving factor for me you know the next new thing is something that i'm always really excited about and it's interesting, isn't it? Because people don't sometimes realise that the whole there's been whole musical scenes built around one innovation. Yeah. You know, someone manages to make a sampler affordable yeah. or invent a synthesizer that's got a certain sound, and hey, there you go, you've got house music yeah. or you've got trance all of a sudden yeah. or whatever. And people don't tend to realise it. Creates do they? a new four band EQ, and suddenly there's a whole world of something that's 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 open to, to people. Yeah, I think I don't think that. Kind of certainly the people who consume the music perhaps understand so much about how much that technology influences what what the output is. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting one, isn't it? And of course, you get to see that because you're privy to a lot of new things even before the world knows about. Yeah, and that's the exciting thing. 
you know, I think, again, that is that is really exciting. I think, you know, um, I'm just getting into the lighting side of the business over the last few years. I've worked with some architectural lighting companies, but but now I'm working with um, with with some kind of show lighting people. And that's just as exciting, you know, just thinking about what they're going to be able to do on, say, the next, you know, Metallica tour or whatever, just to be able to see what what they're doing. That, again, you know, it's just as exciting as the as the audio side. It's interesting, isn't it, uh, lighting? Because, it, funnily enough, my uh, my father in law was consulting for a US lighting company, and they were one of the theatrical companies. They weren't one of the the, the nightclub or the, yeah. the live company. And he he knew what I did, so he was saying, "Hey, do you work with any lighting companies?" And I was talking about the innovations in in DJ lighting technology and the kind of stuff mobile DJs can carry around with them nowadays, and how it's all just amazing what's changed. And he's like, "Oh man, these guys are." These guys are so backwards. The guys I'm working with, they're not they're not on any of this. And I've picked up on it. I'm trying to trying to update them. Uh, and it's a big thing at the moment, isn't it? Lighting. It's suddenly becoming something that that no musician or DJ or performer um, that's that's forward looking can afford to kind of not think about because it's lighting and visuals that are now part of the music. Well, the technology experience. is coming on so quickly. You know, with the, with the. In- the kind of stability of LED and 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 the, what it what can be done with it now and the you know the sustainability the fact that you don't have to climb up ladders to change light bulbs anymore you know and you don't need you don't you know one of the companies we work with Spot Track you know that there's you know you don't have to have twenty nine um, hairy guys climbing up ladders to to point spotlights at people anymore because um, because they they can do it all from a mouse you know it's um, yeah or a yeah, phone even well yeah not quite yet but but you but you can you know that 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 will yeah yeah but, yeah but it's um yeah i think and of course lighting from a pr point of view it's amazing because if you're writing about a line array system a speaker line array system you know you've got to get a show picture otherwise what what's anybody going to print but if you're if you're like writing about lighting i mean the pictures are always going to be amazing because the colors and everything else and it's not just a black box for example so so from that point of view that's quite exciting for us as well it gives us it gives us opportunity to kind of show the product and what it's actually doing because you can't show in a photograph what how amazing a speaker sounds (laughs) no you of course you can't and we review them all the time people say why don't you just play us the speaker i'm like what's point of doing that you're going to listen through it through a laptop you know it's kind of like um, um so do you ever you know you clearly you're passionate about it clearly you can see um you know almost like a parent with a child you can see the good where others can't kind of thing uh, in in technologies and in in and you can see the potential but do you ever get products that are given to you to to market and you think you know i get it this is awesome but how the hell am i going to do this yeah. this is this is niche, you know. How the hell am I going to get a story out about this that, that works? It that tends resonates? to be the things that are ahead of their time. It's like this, mm. the world's not quite ready for this yet. And I'm trying to think of an example, but I can't, I can't, I can't think of one off the top of my head. But there was there was something a while ago where I was like, this is absolutely amazing, but nobody's ready for it yet. <laughs> you know, another couple mm. of years before everybody else catches up. And that um and yet, sometimes you have to be a little bit creative with that. And maybe you need to start educating people about why they need the product before you start promoting the product. Yeah. And do you have these conversations with people and just say, you know, 
this is this has to be a bit more long term because we I do. Don't think yeah, we do have that conversation we... with people and some people buy into it and some people don't want to buy into it and um you know to be honest with you you know we uh, we build our business or i've built the business around integrity and honesty and it's like i'll be completely upfront with somebody even if it's quite painful <laughs> you know it's like look we can't we and i will also tell them if i think that we can't do it for them you know I'm not sure we can do this for you, but somebody else might be able to, or you you can try this approach, you know, kind of thing. So I think, yeah, yeah, it can, um, if you're telling a, a um, an inventor owner something about their baby that they've invented, for example, that can, that can sometimes be quite a difficult conversation to have because they put blood, sweat and tears into this project. And, you know, I've never all the people that I work with, you know, I've, there's never been a dud so far that they've put in front of me and I've gone, that's rubbish. You know, I can't do anything with that. Um, but there have been, like you say, some products where, where I look at it and I think, wow, we're going to have to be really creative about this. We're going to have to, you know, create the, create the need for this before we, before we put the product out there. Mm. So, Talk to me about being a girl in a male-dominated industry, and it really is, isn't it? We have, we know our stats. We, you know, if we can get to ten percent female audience on anything we do, we're kind of like high-fiving. And considering we're a company with three girls working in it, you know, it's yeah. like, um, it's a, uh, it is so male-dominated. It's always um, been a, a bit of a challenge, but I've always taken it as a challenge rather than, you know, rather than as a setback. I think. In the early days, I was overlooked for some jobs that boys of the same age as me um, took, you know, um, because they were boys simply. And, you know, and that would have been, you know, I wanted to go out on the road and and sell product. And, and, you know, girls just didn't do that 20 years ago. It just was, Mm. you know, we just didn't really, we're certainly not in our industry. Um, But I've always found, you know, if you have to work twice as hard for it, you appreciate it twice as much and um and yeah I think now things are changing you know we've got you know women in you know trailblazing you know like the sound girls that you know the Becky Pell and some of the girls the front of house engineers that are, that are involved in that I think the industry is changing and I no longer get looked at as you know the little little PR girl that they can pat on the bum and, and send off their way. And to be honest with you, 10 years ago, that was the way. It's probably because I'm old now and nobody wants to pat me on the bum anymore. But I'm I'm hoping that it's because the industry's changed and it isn't like that anymore. Well, we'll you'll, you'll probably never know the answer to that one definitively. But it's good to hear that it's changed because I was reading Emily Evis, the daughter of um, the Glastonbury um, founder, whose name, Michael Evis, whose name escapes me for a second there, saying that even today she finds that some of the representatives of the big bands want to talk to her dad rather than her, even though he's retired from all the booking and she does it now. And it's just purely a a sexist thing. It's purely a, you know, it's a room full of men wondering who this girl is representing the the generational thing, but it is changing. I think the younger, and, you know, I don't want to to diss, you know, everybody. I don't want to generalise everybody in the older generation, but but the kind of figureheads of companies, the, the the kind of 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, I think it's still, it it's a re-education for them because they weren't, 
it wasn't always like that. It was acceptable to be inappropriate, and and they did only want to speak to men. I think it is still out there, but but as the as the you know the younger generation comes through, and as the world changes, because let's be honest, how much has the world changed in the last twenty years in terms of equality, and not just you know women, but but you know LGBT plus, you know or. Uh, Racism. The whole the whole world has changed, and I think the industry is catching up with that. It's true, isn't it? And do you think the internet's had something to do with that? The kind of global you you one thing happens in one part of the world, and it's immediately a cultural thing the world yeah. over. Whereas in the past, that wasn't the case. No, was not it? at all. I think that it's a massive. You know, that is one positive thing that we can say that the internet that the internet has done for the world. How has the internet changed your industry? Has it made what you do possible? Has it made it easier? Uh, is it something that now you, you know, it's your primary way of working? How's, how, how's it changed in the last 10, 20 years? I think it's enhanced the, um, the kind of marketing offer because you don't just send a press release out to a magazine and have to wait for it to be printed. You know, you can get, um, you can see it instantly online. Um, there's so much opportunity, but but we work now with with influencers and bloggers and and you know people you, people like Digital DJ Tips. You know, you guys were trailblazers. There wasn't really anybody else doing what you were doing when you started up. And working with you on you know getting reviews and the video kind of videos when we were working with Pioneer DJ back in the day, that was. You know, that was, it really has completely molded the kind of marketing offer that is available these days. Because people don't, I mean, PR is a, writing is still a big part of our business, getting the message out there. But when we write a press release, we can take that and maybe we'll create a video for it as well. It'll be a social media post. You know, we'll send a pitch to a blogger or a YouTuber or, or, you know, or an influencer. So so I think the internet allows so much more creativity. It's um it's interesting, isn't it? That the it's got its limits though as well, because you kind of in a way have to let go of a bit of control because you don't know what's gonna happen with something once yeah. it's out there. And have you had situations where something's I'm not your not 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 because of you, but where something's kind of gone horribly wrong, where there's a situation with a company that you have to deal with because of the internet, a Twitter oh, yeah. storm or a... Have you ever had been involved in a kind of damage limitation thing? Yeah, I've been uh, involved in a few. And now, from a from a product... That firstly, from a product point of view, if I'm sending a product out to, to say, an, an influencer, I will always say to the client, we can't control what they say. The idea is we're going to send them, we're going to get their honest opinion. And sometimes an honest opinion is good. You know, if they say some good things and some bad things, that balances it up. I think that's a great thing. But but we have always, we have been involved in in a kind of damage limitation for for an events company where where there was a, there was an issue over um, uh, over accessibility for disabled people at their events. And we've had to help them. Uh, it actually wasn't the company that were that that were putting on the events fault, but but yeah, we've had to help them with that. And and the internet amplified it from you know one comment on a Friday night to a whole weekend of you know of us having to try and get in touch with the council and that and that kind of thing. So yeah, so yeah, we we have been involved in in that kind of thing before, and it is quite scary. 
Is it exciting at the same time though? Is it like oh, we got we got we got a situation on our hands here? It's now urgent yeah, rather than really uh, rather satisfying just... when you can when you can deliver a result for somebody and and also you know the thing about social media that I think lots of companies get wrong is you have to talk to people you have to put your hands up and go do you know what I'm really sorry we've made this mistake or or a mistake has been made by somebody let's put it right we'll do what we can and so many people actually genuinely appreciate that if there's been a mistake you just put your hands up and go sorry there's no trying to justify things and and, you know as a company you've got to be open to feedback if you're say for any of my clients if you've got to be open You've always got to be open to feedback. And if people give you feedback, you've got to say, hands up, we'll do whatever we can to make it. And I think that's what makes a good company, somebody who does deal with an issue like that. It does sound like you're cut out for it as well, as you say, not being scared to pick up the phone rather than craft a, a guarded press release to deal with an issue and so on. So... Steph, let's get back to the music side of things because, as we've discussed, this was all by design, not 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 random. Um, share some stories. You must have been to gigs and you must have been to club events. You must have had the ability to go to places at those events backstage and so on that other people haven't had at some point. What are some highlights of the uh, the kind of perks of working in this industry that over the last twenty years that spring to mind? Any particular event or any particular club or DJs or musicians who you cross paths with? Any stories that you'd I like think to share? Working with Pioneer DJ and Pioneer Pro Audio has been the kind of highlights of the of the things that that have done. I mean, I think the last ever space closing for me. Me and my husband went um, over to Ibiza. Um, we went we went there with the with the guys from Pioneer, and we were there from four in the afternoon till six in the morning. You know, it was epic. It was one of those moments in life that you never forget. And we probably never would have done that if if I didn't have the job that I have. And it was mm. the last ever, you know, it was like it was a momentous occasion for everybody. Um, so I think that that's probably one of the key, one of the So name just for people, just to make people really, really jealous who um, who didn't didn't either follow or obviously weren't there. Name some of the DJs who were playing at the at the last ever space. So Carl Cox was there. Oh, you're good. You've got me stuck now. But Carl Cox was the was the kind of main event. He was a big closer, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in he tears was in at the tears, end, wasn't yeah. he? Oh, do you know what? I can't even remember now. How bad is that? Oh, listen, that's a sign of a good night, right? You've got you've, the closing space. Carl Cox is playing, and you can't remember. I went in every place. single area, every single room. Danced all night, came out a sweaty mess, but I haven't got a clue apart from Carl. <laughs> well, Steph, what you know, what goes on tour stays on tour. Let's hold it. Let's hold that one there. So, space closing with Carl Cox was a big one. Um, what else? Um, oh, blimey, there's been so much. You know, going to going to Glastonbury, um, getting backstage at Glastonbury. Back, um, actually, I was with Rick Parkinson, then who I know that you um, did an interview with um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, when he was working on okay. we did we did backstage camping with James Avelia at the at the um behind the dance tent in Glastonbury. So that was quite a cool one. Backstage camping, that's really um, a thing. Yeah, is it? I mean it's not quite as glamorous as it sounds because it's still Glastonbury. You get camping um behind the backstage tent but you do get like a decent toilet and a shower that you can have. So so yeah, so we did that. That was cool. 
Um, yeah, and there have been, you know, over the years, various gigs and just it just being being able to see things, you know, uh, from the side from the side of the show, I think, right, and see what goes on behind the scenes is is always really cool. Yeah, of course. And so, um, if you look back over over you know the work and the play uh, over the past twenty years, would you do it all yeah, again in a heartbeat? Really, it's as simple as that. There's no kind of like, oh, that that could have been a bit different, or so. It's just, it's just, it's just opened up and panned out to be everything that you could you know, want it to be. You know, sometimes I think I'm I'm never going to be a multi-millionaire, you know, in my niche market. But I'm I'm probably never going to have a job that makes me as want to get up in the morning and do do what I love every day. So I mean, you can't ask for more than that, can you? No, I guess, I guess you can't. And what do your kids think of what you do? Do they think that mum's in a really cool job or do they not really understand? Or what's, I think what's my daughter started to realise when uh, she got some really cool Sennheiser headphones for her birthday um, that <laughs> she now sits watching her YouTubers with. And, and you know, when she sees, uh, when she's just started, I mean, she's she's only nine, so and she's the eldest of the two. So my little boy doesn't really doesn't really realise. They know that I go away a bit and usually come back with really cool swag from the trade. Um, so that, <laughs> or merch, merch, as they, they probably call it, call it right? Definitely, yeah, really cool. So, so yeah, I think that, that they will they will understand, but um, later on. But I guess it's it's just normal for them. Yeah, well, it, everything is, isn't it, for kids? It's just kind of however abnormal you think your life is to them. It's just because well, what loves dad it do. because he's obviously spent his life, you know. Cut, but before we had kids, you know, coming to everything with me. Now he usually has to stay at home and look after them. But but occasionally we get like the, the space closing thing, and he comes and he's he's yeah. really into music and um, into dance music himself. So so that's always really cool for him. So it's a perk. And what about the future? What what do you think the next the next ten years holds for for you and for the agency? Have you got uh, plans to diversify or to grow, or are you happy where you are? What what do you see? What do you see coming? I think uh, coming we'd like to grow. That? We're we're looking at a few um, options of slightly diversifying the business, in and we're trialing a few things out at the moment. But but I mean, I think just being a stable core. Um, keeping up with technology you know I'd love I'd love to grow the business I'd love to start looking into into kind of areas um, that are still within the industry but maybe slightly outside of what we've always done with the kind of audio and lighting you know just looking at, uh, at other areas. Okay so watch watch this space and of course we have an awful lot of industry listeners here I'm sure there's going to be at least someone over the time that this is up and live who think I'd quite like to chat to those those guys and girls girls about uh about getting some help so hopefully there will be someone listening whether directly in in pro audio and entertainment or or one of those um satellite industries um who could use your undoubted skills Brilliant. uh so yeah thank you very much for spending uh, that time with us today i'm sure it's been inspirational for a lot of people for a lot of reasons uh, and uh we will cross paths at some trade show or other somewhere on one continent or the other right uh, at some point in the next year or two i'm sure but for for the meantime thanks Thank very you. much for your nice time to today speak to you.